0: Turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 10. It's sort of sad. We're, we're coming to the end of our study on Proverbs. Uh, I know that I've sure enjoyed it. I trust that you all have been blessed from God's Word as well. But remember, since there are 31 Proverbs, and in many months there are 31 days, one way to keep up with Proverbs is simply continue to read every day the proverb of the day. So today's the 21st, you read Proverbs 21. Tomorrow's the 22nd, read Proverbs 22. And that way you're going through the Proverbs 12 times a year and we can continue to grow in wisdom. The theme of our series through the book has been a time for wisdom. And the past two weeks we're talking about the specific topic of a time for wisdom in our words. There are few topics more important, more urgent, or more relevant to our lives than to see what God's Word has to say about our words. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about, listen to this. Studies reveal that we will spend, on average, a full third of all of our waking hours, talking with our lips and our tongues. On average, every day, 16,000 words come out of our mouths. Put another way, you and I speak enough words in a single day to fill a book of about 55 pages. That means during the course of a year, the words we speak could fill about 66 books containing 800 pages each. Over the course of a lifetime, you and I will speak about 860 million words. That is enough spoken words that would fill over a million books of 800 pages each. Now think of all of those statistics in light of Matthew twelve thirty six, where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said that every one of us will give an account for every careless word we have spoken this is why when it comes to wisdom you can you cannot read more than 10 or 12 verses through every chapter of proverbs without running into counsel about our speech Last week, we focused on our need for repentance, on our need for Christ, because of sins of commission, using words destructively is committing sin. This morning, we're going to look at using words constructively, and we'll see our need for Christ because of sins of omission, not speaking words we should Speak. Nothing will reveal our need for Christ and the beauty of His finished work on our behalf more than becoming aware of the words that we speak. Let's all stand out of reverence for the Word of God. I'm going to start in Proverbs 10, and as I have every week, uh, we're going to have a pretty lengthy reading, and may God apply these words to our hearts. As you hear them spoken. This is the word of God. Proverbs 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Skip down to verses 20 and 21. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many. But fools die for lack of sense. Now go to verses 31 and 32. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Go to Proverbs 12, 17 to 19. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Now go to verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good Word makes him glad. Go to Proverbs 15, verses 1 to 4. "'A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good.'" A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Go down to verses 23 and 26. "To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. and a word in season, how good it is! Verse 26. "The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. Go to verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Go to verse 30. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. Go to Proverbs 16, 23 and 24. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious. And adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When a man closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Go to Proverbs 25, verses 11 and 12. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold as a wise reprover to a listening ear. Go to verse 15. With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. And then we'll close with two of the most powerful proverbs in the book. Go to Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us, and he wants his word to impact our words. Let's pray. Father, who among us can tame the tongue? With it, we bless you, our creator. And at the same time, sometimes curse your creation, our fellow man. So Holy Spirit, we clearly, desperately need you. Would you work among us now? Change us. Make us more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Three ways we are to seek to use words constructively. We're to use words to soften up. We're to use words to stand up. And we're to use words to build up. So first of all, use your words to soften up. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If there is anything that typifies and defines our culture in this moment, it is the speaking of harsh words that stir up anger inside the church as well as outside the church. In personal conversations, on social media, on cable news networks, among politicians, and the list goes on. Even Christians who are supposed to lower the temperature in the room are often a cause of adding fuel. To the fire. God calls us to utter gentle answers that soften hard hearts. Proverbs 15, verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. That is an antinomian uh, uh, not an antinomian. That is an oppositional kind of parallelism. The antonym is given, and so what the proverb says, if a gentle tongue is a tree of life, then a harsh tongue is perversion. When's the last time that was your perspective on uttering a harsh word? that it is a perversion in the ears. Of God, a soft, gentle word offers life. Proverbs fifteen twenty six: The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. Again, the parallelism: Gracious words are pure; harsh words are an abomination to God. This is why Paul says in Colossians 3: Let your speech always be filled with grace, seasoned with salt. Proverbs 25:15: With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Somehow we've gotten the idea that the angrier we can sound, And the more intense we can be, the more harshly we can speak, that somehow there's power in that. Look, we don't learn how to engage in conversation by looking at cable news interviews or by listening to politicians. We learn how to speak by reading and applying god's word and a soft tongue in a gentle answer has the power to break a bone metaphorically to shatter the hardest hearts see this is why james 1 20 says the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of god Getting in people's faces, spitting because we're so angry and speaking so loudly, that's not going to change anybody's life, folks. A soft answer turns away wrath. You see, Christians are actually supposed to be the adults in the room, when it comes to conversation and courtesy proverbs 10:31 the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom in james 3 we're told what god's wisdom sounds like it is first pure james 3:17 then peaceable gentle merciful Proverbs ten thirty two, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. In other words, Proverbs tells us that righteous lips speak what is cordial, what is civilized, what is courteous, polite, and diplomatic. Proverbs 15, verse 2, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge. We don't take knowledge and truth and beat people over the head with it. We commend knowledge and truth by presenting it winsomely and attractively and kindly. Romans 2 verse 4. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Not his harshness, his kindness. In 1965, a soft-spoken Presbyterian minister went into the first public television in our country, WQED, in Pittsburgh. And as he visited those offices, he presented an idea for a children's program. They would teach children using puppets and song and gentle conversation. That presbyterian minister, of course, was Fred Rogers, and the show was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Fred Rogers was quoted as saying, I, get in, I got into television because I saw people throwing pies at each other's faces, both literally and figuratively. And to me, that was such demeaning behavior. And if there is anything that bothers me, and through the passages I've read, if there's anything that bothers God, it is people demeaning each other he went on to say that his ministry was the broadcasting of grace throughout the land. And if you know Jesus Christ, that is your ministry as well. To broadcast grace throughout the land graciously. Fred Rogers worked to restore civility to an all too often uncivilized culture. Are you known for your soft, gentle, civil, courteous, polite, kind, winsome, attractive, speech. Use your words to soften up. Secondly, use your words to stand up. Listen, just because Christians are called to speak soft words, gentle words, kind words, it does not mean that we don't stand up against sin and oppression and injustice. Proverbs fourteen twenty five says, A truthful witness saves lives. We are to use our speech to save lives literally, eternally. We are to use our words to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all those in our relational networks. Think of all the ways you move your lips. Are you moving your lips to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ? I won't ask for a show of hands but it's been estimated that less than 5% of Christians in America have ever personally led a lost person To faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't believe that the Bible says we have the power to make someone become a Christian, but let me ask you this How often do you even attempt to use your words to offer Christ to the lost? But we're not only to use our words to stand up for the lost and plead with them winsomely and attractively to put their hope and faith in Christ, we're also to use our words to save lives by standing up for the marginalized and the victimized and the oppressed. Again, Proverbs 31 8 and 9. I would suggest you write out these verses. And put them in your car, on your mirror, in your bathroom, any place you can see them. Proverbs 31.8. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. What the proverb is saying is it's not literally talking about the mute. Although we should stand up and speak. For the disabled, mentally, physically, emotionally. But Proverbs 31 8 is talking about the mute figuratively. Those who have been disenfranchised and marginalized by those who have more power than they do. We are called to stand up, to open our mouths to defend those who can't defend themselves. We are to speak up and stand up and use our words for the oppressed. We're to be their advocates in this world. And that's not only talking about Christians. We're to be the advocates For non-Christians as well. Proverbs 31 verse 9, same words, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. People, let me lift you in on a secret. The world did not come up with the ideas of mercy and justice. God did. And we are to speak in such a way that promotes justice and mercy in our world. We're to stand up. We're to protect. Now, when I talk about speaking up for the voiceless, I know where most of our minds go the unborn. And of course, that is included in these verses. We are to speak up against abortion. We're to do it, though, as courteously and as politely as we can. We're to seek to promote life winsomely. But God's Word calls us to pro-life that goes way beyond the unborn. We're to stand up for all the marginalized, all the victimized, all the oppressed, all the destitute, all the poor. I'm not preaching some social gospel here, brothers and sisters. This is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. World Magazine, in a piece called Silence of the Shepherds, documented that many, many ministers who believe abortion is a sin and who believe the church should speak up about it, a very low percentage of those ministers ever preached a sermon in their churches that was pro-life and called people to use their words to be pro-life. Martin Luther King Jr., in this very city, in his letter from a Birmingham jail, wrote to white pastors, many of whom believed racism was a sin. And yet, he wondered why pastors weren't using their words, their pulpits, and their churches to decry the injustices of racism and oppression. It's not enough to believe that abortion is wrong. We're to speak up for the unborn. It's not enough to believe that racism is wrong. We're to speak up for justice. It's not enough to believe that oppression is wrong. We're to speak up for the oppressed. It's not enough to say we want to help the poor. We're to speak up for the poor. Christians are to lead the world in speaking up for the victimized and the marginalized. Whether it's trafficked women, whether it's orphans, whether it's those in foster care, whether it's the disabled, Christians are to be the strongest advocates with our words as we speak up winsomely and attractively by standing up. In Matthew 25, Jesus actually says that one of the proofs of conversion, as a matter of fact, one of the, one of the ways people are going to be judged is whether we've used our mouths to be advocates for the hungry and spoken words for the thirsty and used our words to defend the naked and those who are sick and those who are in prison. Jesus actually makes the judgment of whether hearts have been renewed by Christ come down to our words spoken for the marginalized. Use your words to soften up. Use your words to stand up. And then thirdly and finally, use your words to build up. So many people in our day are using words like swords Do you hear that proverb that talks about the words of the wicked are like sword thrusts? Words can kill. Words can maim. And God says, use words to build up. Think about it. We're to be like God. We're image bearers. We're being restored into the image of Christ by the power of the Spirit if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And as God spoke and life was created so we have been given the power of speech that through the Spirit we might build up life. God brought the animals to Adam, and He named them. We have the power in our words to name people. We have the power in our words to actually define people. Our words can cause people to define themselves as losers. Or our words can be used by God to cause people to be defined by their position in Christ. And their dignity as image bearers. Proverbs 10, verse 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Is that true of us? The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, not a cesspool of death, a fountain of life. In the Middle East, there is no life, hardly. There's not enough water. Everywhere you walk, it's rocks and desert. But where there's water, where there are fountains... It is green and lush and filled with the beauty and color of flowers. And flocks are refreshed and towns are satisfied. Proverbs 10 verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. That word feed is where we get our word shepherd. Our words have the power to shepherd people to lead them to still waters, to cause them to rest in green pastures. Our words can cause people to flee in fear and anxiety, or our words can help people rest in Christ and find life. Proverbs 12, 18, there's the verse I was looking for. Rash words are like sword thrusts. but the words of the wise bring healing. We're to build people up in strength. We're to build people up in hope. We're to build people up in security. We're to bind up with our words, the brokenhearted. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Look, it's not just counselors that are able to build people up who are depressed, and help them experience cheerfulness and gladness. God says every one of us have the power to diminish anxiety in other people's lives as we speak a good word. Proverbs fifteen thirty: the light of the eyes rejoices the heart and good news refreshes the bones. We're to actually we're actually able to bring refreshment to those who were dying by the power of our words. Proverbs 16:24: "Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the body." People, the church of Jesus Christ has the power by the Spirit through our words to transform the narrative of culture. To transform a narrative of death to a narrative of life. To change a narrative of despair into a narrative of hope to transform a narrative of harshness and incivility into a narrative of peace and courtesy. One of the scenes that I love in my favorite play, favorite movie, Les Miserables, is where Fantine who is a woman in the story, meets up with Jean Valjean, who is the star of the story. Jean Valjean himself was a convict, and through the redemptive power of the words of a priest, he is transferred from death to life, from despair to hope. Fantine was a young woman who fell in love one summer, and she made a mistake. She slept with a man, and she became pregnant. The man immediately deserted her and abandoned her. She had the child, but there was no daycare back then, so she sent her daughter, Cosette, away to a couple, trusting That they would do what is right and good and beautiful and true. But they didn't. And the more Fantine worked to send money to this family for her daughter, the more they spent it on themselves, and the more they oppressed and abused and victimized Cosette. Fantine worked at a factory. It was actually Jean Valjean's factory, but he didn't meet her. She was then unjustly fired without Jean Valjean's full understanding. Feeling like she had nowhere else to turn, she became a prostitute. One night, after she'd worked the streets, some men that had abused her abused her still further, right in front of Jovert, the police inspector. But rather than speaking up for justice and putting the men in jail, he arrested the victim and threw her in jail. Jean Valjean found out, he went to the jail, and using his words, he stood up for Fantine. The first time anybody had ever stood up for her. And he did it because he had been stood up for by the bishop many years previously. He took Fantine to his home, began to seek to try to nurse her back to health, physically and emotionally. And at one point she looks up and she says, why are you doing this? I am a whore. And Jean Valjean says, in God's eyes, you've always been an honest and beautiful child of his. And you can see those words breathe life and hope and dignity in Defantine. And as she gasps her last breath. She dies in dignity and with hope. That's the power of words. In John 7, verse 46, the people listening to Jesus said, never has any man spoken like this. May the same thing be said of us, his followers. Let's pray. Father, we have so much to repent of. We have been caught up in the uncivilized world. We have thought that being brash and condescending and demeaning is what will win hearts. God, thank you that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. And Lord, may we, your people, repent that oftentimes we are not known by our kindness, our winsomeness, and our attractiveness. And so God, we pray, change us And may the world be curious about our Savior because we speak such good, tender, and hopeful words. And God, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Christ, we pray that today would be the day that your kindness leads them to repentance and they join the rest of us sinners and knuckleheads and would put their hope in a Savior in a Savior that, that really does reach out to the broken to the defenseless Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and hear the benediction. By the way, the benediction. Benediction, good word. See, even here, the word has power to grant new life. Receive the benediction. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Abba Father, and the fellowship and transforming power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.